Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast, where we take a behind-the-scenes intimate look at surgery from leaders in the field. Good morning. We are in day three of ACP GBI meeting here in Dublin, Ireland, and we are having a fabulous time, aren't we, Dr. Steele? Absolutely. It's uh, beautiful weather, wonderful times, and a great opportunity to collaborate. This morning, we are being joined by the president-elect of ACP GBI, Dr. Nicola Fernhead. She is a consultant surgeon in coloproctology in Cambridge, and I know we are having a very, very busy time here at the conference, so we really appreciate you taking time for BTK. Pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Uh, for our listeners, could you do you mind giving us a brief uh, introduction? Uh, yes. So my background is, as you said, I'm a consultant colorectal surgeon in Cambridge. Uh, my clinical subspecialty is advanced malignancy, but I have taken an interest in all areas of coloproctology over many years. Um, in terms of the Association of Coloproctology, I've served on executive uh, for six years now, uh, having started as research and audit chair and then being elected as president-in-waiting, president-elect, and from this afternoon, uh, president for 2019 to 2020. That's excellent. Congratulations. Um, before we dive into more of your um, main projects that you're going to be taking in up as your uh, as a president, could you tell us what do you have as a, uh, as your vision, as your goals for ACP GBI for the upcoming year? Um, ACP GBI is a thriving organization, really intending to represent the professional interests of colorectal surgeons, trainees, nurses and also representative for patients as well uh, across uh, the UK and Ireland. Um, for this next year, we have lots of pretty ambitious projects in mind. Uh, we have a whole uh, piece of strategic working on our membership, and particularly membership benefits, which will take them throughout their careers. So uh, the idea is lifelong learning and lifelong support. And we're going to be showcasing that over this current year and particularly with particular uh, members workshops at uh, the Edinburgh meeting in 2020. Uh, some other key initiatives are looking at fellowships uh, for subspecialty training. And we've recently had approval from the Royal College of Surgeons for that. And our executive has agreed sponsorship to allow those to go ahead for our trainees in their transition between uh, CCST and uh, consultant practice. Um, uh, many of you will already know that for the last year we've been working very hard on quality improvement projects. Uh, we've been working with IMPACT, which is our advanced malignancy program. Uh, we're developing a quality improvement program in inflammatory bowel disease uh, called uh, STRIVE. And we've also been working with the National Bowel Cancer Audit in terms of quality improvement uh, about uh, MDT working. And I think our other major uh, major plan for this next year is the full incorporation uh, of Dukes, which has already largely happened, but more and more we want the trainees to be very much part of our organisation uh, to the point where a trainee may now nominate 
a future member, which is a big change for us. We're trying to show that we want inclusivity and diversity uh, at every level, and we thought that that was a good way to do it. We're also incorporating our nurses and our patient liaison group more and more. Patient liaison group yesterday gave the most phenomenal session on sexual function uh, after surgery, uh, which was very well attended and well, uh, certainly uh, thoughtful, thought provoking in terms of how it came across. So uh, working together is clearly a, a major part of our strategic vision. So that's extremely exciting things. So let's focus in on one of those and one of the things you spoke about yesterday, and that's your impact program. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about the impact program and how it fits into not only the advanced malignancy, but a little bit of how you're going to incorporate that into other aspects of colorectal disease? So the impact program stands for improving the management of patients with advanced colorectal tumors. And it is aimed not just at patients with advanced pelvic malignancy, but patients with any form of advanced disease, whether that's T4 disease, stage 4 disease, synchronous metastases, metachronous metastases. Rather than look at a particular interest group, what we're really looking to do is improve the management, management pathways and outcomes of all patients who have advanced malignancy. Uh, it came about as uh, as a result of our Delphi Research Initiative, which we ran in 2013 to 2015. And uh, some of the questions there were very much about improving management of patients in these groups. We rapidly realized that research was going to be difficult without a sea change in streamlining management and narrowing the amount of variation that there is for all patients across the country uh, in the advanced malignancy groups. And so we decided that actually the best way to do it would be to start with a quality improvement program aimed at refining pathways, referral pathways, communication about patients between centres and communication with the patients as well. Uh, In addition to that, to really give our members a way of trying to improve their management also by being aware of other aspects which are important in advanced malignancy, particularly things uh, like what patients think is important, uh, where palliative care should be involved, emphasizing the importance of quality of survival and not just length of survival. And that has all come through parallel work streams which have happened with patients and also with clinicians. We have now delivered uh, nine of a 13 uh, uh, 13 visit roadshow around the whole of the UK, uh, where we have taken MDTs and worked with them to show how you can work with all different aspects of advanced malignancy in terms of improving outcomes. And we have a project next year, which will start to look at whether that has an impact. So has impact had an impact is the question. And hopefully we'll be able to start uh, getting some data from uh, our national data sets about whether that has actually made a difference. So how do you plan on transitioning that to IBD or other type of um, other type of colorectal disease? So our STRIDE program has already started with some background work. It started uh, a couple of years ago with help from Austin Atchison, who set up our first IBD database. We had long had a pouch registry, but that was a voluntary registry. We didn't have anything based on administrative data. Um, Austin and his team have actually now given us a working tool that we can use, albeit it's limited to England at the moment, but we hope to be able to expand it as administrative data sets become more available in the devolved nations. 
but it allows us to know what the denominator is. It tells us who's doing what and some basic stuff about length of stay and a few quality um, metrics, for example, proportion of laparoscopic procedures and the like. We've used that initial data set, because data tends to drive everything, uh, as a way of looking at high performance. So we're currently running a high performance program uh, where we've identified the top 17 performing units across the country. And we're starting qualitative interviews with them in order to find out what high performance looks like and how it's achieved. As always, with everything we do, we're running a parallel program with patients. And so we've also got a patient initiative um, up and running where we're going to ask patients to define what quality looks like. And once we've got those two aspects in place, we're then going to be working with working with getting it right first time, which is our national uh, quality improvement program, to actually take that into trusts at trust level and work out individual ways of improving outcomes. Exciting stuff. This is this is a great, great initiative that the ACPGBI is going to be taking, and I'm looking forward to listen, uh, seeing how all of this turns out next year. I would now like to kind of shift uh, subjects and talk about your tripartite uh, vision. Talk to us about it. We, we I had not heard about it back in the States, so give us a brief overview of what this program is all about. Well, actually, this started back in the States in 2017 during the ASCOS meeting in Seattle, which was actually a tripartite meeting. Now, tripartite is a very well-established, loose collaboration between originally the Australasian, American and UK and Ireland uh, groups. But in 2014, that included Europe as well for the first time. And we're very glad to have the ESCP as our partners, as well as the RSM from the UK uh, and Ireland point of view. Uh, so tripartite, uh, the idea is every three years, the meeting moves to one of those three key geographical areas. It's hosted by the local organization and it brings together the opportunity for networking, collaboration and friendships between colorectal surgeons from around uh, the world. There is an increasing global move with tripartite. There, in every likelihood, the, the name will change with a wish to incorporate more and wider global partners, but that's an evolving project. In 2017, we decided that the way to keep tripartite alive, to allow people to know it existed and to allow institutional memory to develop about tripartite, was to set up collaborative projects which would work between tripartite organizations and hopefully encourage international collaborations, which would then be presented at tripartite mm -hmm. each year. Um, in fact, the first, uh, the first project which was set up was run by the hosts, which is, uh, is, is Auckland in New Zealand. Uh, Professor Ian Bissett uh, set up a, a working group to look at low anterior resection syndrome. And that has been a very patient-focused piece of work done across all the tripartite organizations and recently had the consensus in Nice last year and was submitted for publication last week. So we have our first uh, potential publication coming out of tripartite uh, 2020 collaborations, but there are many more. Later this morning, we're going to hear about nine other projects, uh, many of them led from the UK because that's part of our collaborative research culture. But actually, very pleasingly, with projects which are being led from all over the tripartite nations, including one from ASCARS. 
So you'll hear about the PROP study later today, which is being led uh, by Liliana Bordineau from uh, Massachusetts General and looking at pouch function. And again, a very patient-centered, patient-focused uh, project, which we hope to present next year at Tripartite. That, that's great. When is the upcoming meeting? So tripartite meeting is in November the 9th to the 11th of November 2020 uh, in Auckland. Uh, In order to get everybody there, we have one other piece of work which is happening in preparation, which is much more inclusive. It's something for everybody. And that is we're preparing a, a, a prioritization of research questions across the tripartite nations. We've already completed the first phase, and in that we had uh, around 540 participants from all the tripartite nations, including 100 or so from ASCARS, who put in questions, and we have around 750 questions to sort out at the moment to send back to our members for prioritisation. You would probably also be interested to know that 250 patients put in questions into that exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, we sure appreciate the opportunity for you to come and sit down with us and talk to our listeners at Behind the Knife. We know how busy you are, and congratulations on all the work you're doing. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Good morning again from Dublin. Uh, we are currently joined with Dr. John Monson. So, John, known you a long time, so you are the Executive Director of Colorectal uh, for Advent Health in Orlando, Florida. But give us a little bit of background about yourself, where you're from, how to come to the point that you got to the position you're in now. Sure, good morning. Um, uh, This is my hometown, actually. I was born and bred in Dublin, graduated from medical school here, uh, did my surgical training in Ireland and in England, um, and uh, research years also in uh, England, and then some time in Ireland before doing my fellowships. I finished with a year in the Mayo Clinic, went back to the UK and London, actually, uh, on faculty at Imperial College, Um, before becoming chairman of surgery in the University of Hull in the north of England um, in 1993. I was chairman there for 15 years um, and then moved in 2008, a big move for me, um, across the Atlantic to the University of Rochester Medical Center in upstate New York. And then three and a half years ago, um, I moved to central Florida to Advent Health, where As you say, I'm Executive Medical Director of Colorectal Surgery and also Chair of the Digestive Health and Surgery Institute for the whole Central Florida system. Well, John, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on BTK. So, you know, one of the things we wanted to touch base on is just you've had a long history of, uh, you know, multiple leadership roles, not only as co-editor of DCR, but within ASCARS being on the Executive Council and, and obviously having different roles on both sides of the pond, as you say. So... What does ACPGBI mean to you? What's it meant through the thing? And, and talk a little bit about the collaborative process that's occurred through the years. Yeah, ACP um, is a relatively young society. It only really started in 1990. I was one of the first members. Um, and as you say, was involved for most of my career, 20 years in the UK, um, ending up on executive council and um, chairing the clinical services committee, etc., etc. Um, it's been a very successful specialty society, and I think, as you can see from this meeting here, one of the strong themes that um, emerges from the way the ACP operates is their collaborative research programs. Um, I think it's 
really very uh, encouraging to see how well um, these multi-centered collaborations, not just within uh, Great Britain and Ireland, but also across Europe, um, have been developed by leadership of ACP in collaboration with other groups. And that was very clear, for example, in the uh, topics being discussed at uh, the session this morning. Yeah, that brings us up to this lecture, Past, Present and Future of Rectal Cancer. It was an amazing lecture. Could you give us some brief highlights from, uh, from your talk for our listeners? Sure. Uh, so the session overall was about early rectal cancer, and we heard uh, there were four speakers, and um, we heard um, some really interesting data on the early rectal cancer trial, which was called TREC, um, which was presented by Simon Back from Birmingham. I have some skin in that game because I designed that trial more than a decade ago with Simon, and um, it really asked the question as to whether we could use short-course radiotherapy in combination with local excision in an effort to um, achieve organ preservation. Short answer to that is yes, you can. And so the next trial is taking place, which um, you'll be, of course, uh, delighted to hear is called Star Trek. Um, and now randomizes patients. It's about to enter a phase three pan-European trial um, between getting short-course radiotherapy and long-course chemoradiotherapy and, um, again, aiming towards organ preservation. On the other side of the coin, you heard um, a description of TAMIS versus TAMS from Chris Cunningham in, in Oxford. This week is the 10th anniversary of the invention of TAMIS, actually, in our unit in Orlando. So we have a lot of experience of both TAMS and TAMIS. Uh, and he spent some time describing the difference between the two techniques and what works for him and what might be an option for people undertaking that type of work. And then really interesting um, was this SPEC uh, study, um, presented by the Basingstoke uh, group. Um, this was a project led by uh, Brendan Moran, who's the current president of ACPGBI, and addressed the issue of large, unusual-looking polyps in the rectum that may contain cancer. What should we do about these, and how should they be managed? Should we just biopsy them? Should we just take them out? Um, and there's a, a national program um, trying to develop a way, an algorithm and pathway. So it was very interesting to present all of this work, and uh, my job was simply to bring it all together and say, this is where we've been, this is where we are, and here's where we're going with some of these new initiatives and, and new treatment options. So, John, uh, we truly appreciate the opportunity for you to come and sit down with us. If you were to look on the horizon and talk about, just for our uh, listeners from all around the globe, how do we translate this collaborative kind of energy that is here so that we can kind of look out and see all the different ways with Twitter and all this, uh, these different multi-platforms that are out that connect the world and make it shorter. What are the next steps to really make sure that we're truly putting patients first and how we can do better with outcomes? Yeah, I mean, it's a really great question. Um, I think it's influenced by where you are in terms of society, you know, what works in one society versus the other. Mostly, the UK is based on a single-payer system. One of the advantages of single-payer systems is the ability to standard set across the whole piece. 
so that if somebody decides to undertake an initiative, it's a little easier than in a completely unregulated society. And they've, you know, utilized that advantage, that advantage to be able to develop these collaborations. North America or other societies, Australia, for example, is a little more difficult to do that. It doesn't mean it's not possible. Um, I think we've seen some great um, uh, multi-centered research collaboratives take place in the United States. And indeed, in terms of patient care, um, as you're well aware, the National Accreditation Program for Rectal Cancer, I think, is a very good example of how multiple disciplines, multiple societies sat down in a room together and uh, have led to a national program that hopefully will make things better for our patients moving forward. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Behind the Knife. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning once again. We are now joined with Dr. Dina Harji. Dr. Harji is a trainee currently who's going to be practicing as a coloproctologist, starting with her fellowship in France. Um, she is currently the president of the Duke's Club. Um, thank you for joining us on Behind the Night. Thank you for having me. Yes, so I'm currently um, an ST7 trainee, which basically means I've got 12 months left of um, being a trainee. And then, yes, I hope to fly off to sunny Bordeaux for 12 months before coming back to the UK to start consultant life. But I don't actually have a job to come back to yet, so we'll have to find a job. Um, and I'm sure there'll be one on the horizon. And congratulations on uh, an excellent year of presidency for Duke's Club. And um, Thank you very much. I came to Duke's presidency in April following um, a very good year under the reign of Henry Ferguson. Um, we've had an excellent sort of three or four months in already um, and this is our second major event of the year um, and I can say that it's actually gone very well. I'm very pleased with it. So Dina, give our listeners a little bit of background about the Duke's Club. I mean, just having the energy about this around this particular meeting and seeing what you guys have been able to accomplish collaboratively, that's something that I hope that all of our listeners, wherever they're listening around the world, can kind of uh, use as a platform to kind of get people together and collaborate. So tell us a little bit about the organization. So um, Duke's Club is 23 years old. Um, It is a national club, uh, consists of trainees from across the UK, um, and we've changed the way we work a lot over the years. So over the last 12 months, we've expanded a lot. So our current structure is that we have a executive committee, which has um, three of us as a presidential committee. So we have past, current and vice president. Um, and that allows us to have a three year forward strategy. We then are supported by a number of executive committee members, of which there are 12. And then we have regional representatives in every single region in the UK, which maps to the ACPGBI chapters. And then we have our offshoot committee, which is the Duke's Research Collaborative Committee, and that's a committee of about six. So overall, I'm in charge or I look after about 40 people and they work across the UK and we represent views of all colorectal trainees at all levels. So any trainee who's a surgical trainee has an interest in colorectal, we represent their training, research and academic views. And what we do is we have an annual weekend, which is an educational weekend that we host that's completely free. And it allows trainees to come from across the UK and network whilst being delivered um, high quality uh, practical skills courses and good quality educational content. The strategy for the next 12 months is quite ambitious. Uh, We've got uh, four subspecialty days in the uh, running 
uh, they are looking at um, emergency surgery, advanced cancer, inflammatory bowel disease and pelvic floor. And really they're mapped for the sort of more senior trainees, so coming up towards their exams or coming up to the beginning of consultant life. We've got a how to approach the final years of your training course, looking at how, how do you look for that fellowship? So, you know, how do we come to Cleveland or how do we go to France or how do we go to a fellowship in the UK? Um, how do we go about getting a consultant job? How do you make that transition from becoming a trainee to a consultant? Not just within the NHS, but how can we make that transition within the ACP GBI? I'm really delighted to say that we are working with the two young coloproctologists of the year, so Rebecca Fish and Kat Baker, to try and help those transition periods. And then we've got a number of cadaveric courses. So this will be the first year that we will be delivering some advanced cadaveric colorectal courses. So we'll have two days next February where trainees will get a cadaveric specimen and a consultant to take them through laparoscopic right hemicolectomy, laparoscopic low anterior resection, APR, um, proctology. Um, and we've got another cadaveric course looking at endoscopy. And then we will have 21 regional events, so 21 networking events across the region, which will be hosted by our regional uh, representatives, and we'll have a research skills course. So we have a very, very busy year ahead of us, but I think it shows our growth over the last 23 years. It shows that we are a very engaged group of colorectal trainees. We're very passionate about the training opportunities that we can provide, and we're, it's all about taking the specialty forward in a very collegiate and collaborative way, and I think that's the only way that we will continue to develop. And I think doing things like this with BTK is a great way of building new relationships and, and really looking at where do we go from here? Um, where, what is the next thing for Dukes and BTK together? Can, can we start something for the UK? Possibly. I think, you know, the sky's the limits. So you're early on in your tenure, but what has been the, one of the harder things that you didn't expect to encounter and what has been one of the more fun things that has kind of come across? I think getting you guys here has probably been one of the more difficult things, <laughs> um, but I think having you here has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think uh, when you're in a leadership post, it's really important that you represent everybody and that you don't just represent your own interests. And sometimes that means that you have to have difficult conversations with the ACP GBI council or with other consultant colleagues. And I think that has not been easy, but it's certainly a challenge that I've enjoyed and will continue enjoying because I think ultimately I've been elected into this post to make sure that I and Dukes provide the best opportunities for the trainees over the next 12 months. So definitely a challenge, but certainly enjoyable. That's excellent. And what have you, for the last three days, it's been an amazing conference, lots of great world leaders giving us some great, you know, great lectures and some upcoming research and uh, new developments in the field. Could you give us your brief highlights or recap for our listeners of how this conference has been? So um, I'm going to be very biased and say all the Duke sessions have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think this year has been one of the first years where Dukes have worked with ACP GBI to really integrate trainees into the programme. So our sessions have been interspersed with the main sessions. We have uh, got the opportunity to have our, our first inaugural keynote lecture, which you know, Scott is delivering. Uh, we are 
we are co-chairing sessions so our trainees are panel members on all the major lectures and um, and I think that shows a great progression uh, from ACP I think it's very forward thinking and I think it certainly shows that trainees we are very much part of the multidisciplinary team and we have a very important contribution I think all the keynote lectures have been absolutely fantastic I think the Duke's Club Horizon scanning session was really really forward thinking I think it's great to celebrate all our successes it's really important to have one eye on what is in the future you know AI is coming how do we look at that as colorectal surgeons how do we incorporate that into our practice the microbiome, how do we look at manipulating the microbiome to get the best for our patients? And navigational technology, how do we deliver precise surgery? Um, and I think horizon scanning, for me, without a doubt, has been one of the standout sessions. So, Dina, where do you go from here? What is, uh, obviously, you have your whole clinical and personal side where you got to get through your training, get through your fellowship and everything. But in terms of just not only just this collaborative process between uh, ACP, GBI, in Duke's Club, but just how do you put it all together? Oh, that's a really difficult question, Scott. Um, how do I put it all together? I think uh, it's a continuum, and I think that one door open, uh, one door closes, another one opens, and I think that if we deliver all that we can this year for Duke's, Duke's and ACP will just get bigger and better. And we will start to be able to provide more and more opportunities for our trainees, more and more opportunities for our membership, and we'll continue to grow. Um, and, and I hope that that carries on in the next four, five, ten years. And I, you know, Dukes will very much come into its own, but very much under the realm of ACE. For our final segment of this podcast with Dr. Dina Harji, we're going to be going into our very first question, Dr. Steele. So, Dina, uh, number one, do you play uh, music in your operating theater? And if so, what is it? Um, so, as a trainee, I don't have my own operating theater. I just listen to whatever my boss wants to listen to at the moment. Uh, when I become a consultant, I'm sure I will listen to music and it will depend on my mood. So, uh, anything from classic to popular culture. <laughs> All right. Our second question for you. Tell us about a hidden talent of yours. Uh, so I'm a trained classical Indian dancer. I didn't particularly enjoy it when my parents used to take me to the classes as a child. But yes, I got through it uh, through sheer grit. <laughs> Number three, what is one of the best trips or vacations that you have ever been on? Where and why? Um I would say to uh, Australia, to Sydney, I absolutely love it. Um, we always have a great time. The weather is great. The food is amazing and you can't beat the coffee. Awesome. Our fourth question, if you weren't a surgeon, what would you be? Um, I would be a travel journalist, but I would only go to the high-end hotels. I wouldn't do any of the camping and things like that. So I would, I would be a travel journalist. In number five, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice on your first day of internship, what would that advice be? Um, just be nice. Be nice to everybody. A smile. A smile goes a long way. Fantastic. And again, thanks so much for joining us here on Behind the Net. Well, sure. We're wrapping up here at ACP GBI 19. It's been a wonderful time here at Dublin. 
It's been a great experience learning about the clinical research, the collaboration that goes on here, and the clinical practices, the QI projects. They all have been such um, great information for us and now to our listeners back, back in the States. Well, we just want to thank all of our guests here on Behind the Knife, and obviously a very special shout-out and thank you uh, to the president of the society, uh, Professor Brendan Moran, and to... Uh, the head of the Dukes Club, Dina Harji, for inviting us here and taking part in what has been a really memorable experience for, I think, for the both of us. That's absolutely right. I uh, couldn't have imagined being here and learning and meeting all these world experts in the field of colopractology. It has been an amazing experience. And we thank you to the ACP for a a great experience and a great collaboration. And so for all of our listeners out there, we highly encourage everybody to take part in these wonderful meetings that occur around the globe because it's a wonderful opportunity to get to know new people, collaborate, come up with new ideas, and really share in some wonderful experiences. So from, uh, from both of us to all of you, dominate the day. Until next time, dominate the day.